The book of Ephesians, <coughs> chapter 6. In just a few moments, we're going to read <coughs> Paul's benediction. His actual prayerful wish for the people at the church in Ephesus. But what I want us to do is I want us to <coughs> hold our place there and go back to Ephesians chapter 1. I just want to pick up several things as we go through here that will kind of help us to understand Paul's desires here. Ephesians 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Those blessings include riches beyond wealth, God choosing people before the foundation of the earth, his predestination of those people. The fact is, is that these people are going to stand before him holy and blameless in that day. He has forgiven our transpass our transgressions. Now think about that. All of our transgressions. We could not number them. We just sang the vilest of sinners. I think that includes you and I. The vilest of sinners He has forgiven. He has opened up to our understanding to greater and greater degrees the mystery that's been hidden since the foundation of the world. The mystery is, is that He is going to bring all things to a completion in His only begotten Son who took on human flesh and came to this earth. He is the second Adam. And think about the implications there. Everything that has been created is going to be summed up in Him. His enemies are going to bow their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Will that bring God the Father glory? Yes, to the praise and honor of God the Father. <clears throat> All of His people are going to stand before Him. As we sang in jubilant song, but not only will our singing bring Him glory, our walk will bring Him glory and delight. Not like now, even the best of us walk in Christ haltingly. We stumble. 
we fall, but we get up again. We are on a pilgrimage to receive a redemption. The inheritance that is the redemption of our very bodies, not only our spirit and our soul, but even our body, to stand before Him in that day so that forever and ever the momentariness, the temporality of this earthen world will fade away in the light of eternity to where all of creation and all of mankind will be to the praise of the glory of His grace. That in Ephesians chapter 2, he states in verse 7, that in the ages to come, God the Father will show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We will never, ever be deserving of these kindnesses not even when we stand before Him fully complete with a redeemed body, not even having the ability to sin. We will never be deserving of the kindnesses that He is showing to us. If we were ever deserving of it, it no longer would be a kindness. Right? Mm -hmm it would no longer be of His mercies. And so this is where we're going. And all of this was accomplished at the cross in Christ Jesus. The abundant and the surpassing riches of His might and of His strength brought everything to pass some 2,000 years ago at Calvary. Having been brought to pass, it is now being, it is now coming to pass. Everything is heading to its desired end, to the good pleasure of God's will and grace. He, Christ, is our hope, and He is our peace. And because of that, we, believing people, have become God the Father's workmanship. Created, verse 10 of chapter 2, created, past tense, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk therein. And to do this, we need to be filled up with all the fullness of God. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's another way of saying that we need to be filled up in the love of God. That's another way of saying that the words of Christ are to dwell in us richly as a congregation. So that in everything we do, it brings God glory and praise. Whether it's what we say with our lips to one another, whether it's what we sing as we sing unto Him as a whole corporate entity to God, or whether it's our relationships to one another. 
We are to be a people of humility. Did you remember Paul saying that when he said in Acts chapter 19 that he served the Lord before them in all humility? And he humbled himself to give to them all the counsel of God. He called it the purpose of God. And we know what that purpose is now. The summing up of everything in Christ. And it is these things that are going to show forth the wisdom and the power of God through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies. We of all people are to be vessels of glory. The brightness, the outshining in a dark, dark world of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. This is eternal life. And it is this by which we are to be renewing our minds. This is how we are to be growing up in all things in Him. This is why God has given to the church evangelist missionaries, pastor teachers, for the maturity of the saints. This is why we come to church. It's always good to come to church and to have fellowship one with another. It's always good, especially if you're Baptist, right, to come together and have a meal with one another. Or to enjoy a little fun and good times with one another in Christ. But really, the ultimate reason why we go to church is to see God's eternal purpose being fulfilled in our heart and life. Because, folks, only what God has done in us will go with us. Did you hear that? A lot of times we say, well, only what we've done. No, only what God has done in us. And when He does these things in us, then we will walk in the appropriate manner. This is what we will take with us when we see Him. We will take such things like His divine love. How far has that matured in your life? I think we all would say sadly deficient. Or our delight in Him in the midst of trial or our endurance. These are the things that we will be taking with us because they are the eternal things. Folks, eternal things never die. Temporal things die. And because of that, and because of our worthy walk in all of our relationships, and because of our knowledge and desiring to know all believers and how they're doing in this, Paul says at the end of Ephesians 6, verse 23, having begun this book with grace and peace to you, he says, peace be to the brethren and love with faith 
from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Did you notice the characteristics of genuinely saved people? They love the Lord Jesus Christ with what type of love? Incorruptible love. And then if you go back to Ephesians chapter 1, here's another characteristic, and we read this, when he says, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Faith, love, hope are the manifestations of a person who's been genuinely born from above. They're not perfected, but they are what? They are there. And so I want to preach to you as a conclusion to this book, Paul's prayerful farewell. What we have at the end of this epistle to this church, and just think about what this church understood. Paul had been there three years. Paul's writing an epistle to them on the foundation of what he had taught them. So when he talks to them about the ministry of his will, did they already know that? The answer to that is yes. He's building on top of what he's already taught them. He has already taught them about a worthy walk. He's already taught them about what God has accomplished in Christ Jesus. He's already taught them about being filled with the Spirit and what that means. Paul gives at the end of this epistle a prayer of blessing. We call that a benediction. A benediction is a formal or devout invocation of blessedness. It's a prayer from the one who gives the benediction. It is also the desire of the one who gives the benediction. So as we look at this passage in Ephesians 6, what is Paul's desire and prayerful concern and prayer for this church? Peace be to the brethren. Love. Everybody see that? Faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. This is what Paul desires for them. He's not writing this as some like you would write at the end of a written letter. Do you ever do written letters anymore? 
Well, if you do, you remember that a lot of times when you end a letter, you will say, sincerely. Or you will say, in Christ. Or if it's maybe to a family member, you will say, in love. And a lot of times we write those endings because that's how you do it. And it's not that we don't love or we're not sincere, right? But we really don't give it that much thought. Paul is giving thought to this. And it is his wholehearted desire. This isn't just sentimentality that he's doing here. It's not that he just said, now how, you know, how can I conclude this letter? Well, I want to be kind of motivational and give them the warm fuzzies. And a lot of times we kind of pass over the beginning and the ending because we want to get to the good stuff in the middle. But this is all part of the good things that God the Father has for us. It is Paul's genuine parting desire for the saints at the church at Ephesus. And folks, that means that this is instructive for us. This ought to be our desire. That when we leave somebody's home, are you following me? When we leave somebody's home, when we leave conversing with them, when we go out the doors of this church in just a few moments, we ought to be desirous that everyone here is receiving the good things of the Lord. It's not just, did I receive the good things of the Lord? Yes, you ought to have received the good things of the Lord. But it is a desire for the whole congregation to have reigned upon them the gentle goodness of God. His peace. Just think about that word. His love. His faith and His grace. Now these things are not feelings. They can work themselves out in a feeling, but they are affections. They are movements of the heart. Something God has done in our inner man. You think about the word peace. You, You can have God's peace and be very troubled in the flesh. You need a passage for that? Paul says, I was with you with fear and trembling. And yet he knew the peace of God. 
His divine love is an affection of the heart. Faith is an affection of the heart. Grace, and I'll mention this in just a few moments, is more than just unmerited favor. It's actually a movement of God's power. Some people have described God's power as grace. His grace to be gifted unto us. And folks, when you look at the passage and you look at Ephesians 6, and I'm just doing an overview here, and you look at verse 24, what you find out is that Paul did not ask for these things, these gifts of God, to come upon everyone who attended the church at Ephesus. Could there have been lost people attending those services? Yes. But he asked for these affections, these gifts from God, these graces to come upon certain people, those who have experienced divine love. And having experienced God's divine love to them, they show and reflect divine love for Jesus Christ Himself. Everybody see that? It's very instructive for us. Now, what are the things that we need to note about these affections? First of all, I want us to note that all of these graces are coming from an unearthly source. Look at verse 23. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from, there's our source, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody see that? This is an unearthly source. This is the creator of the universe showering eternal divine riches upon certain people. They are coming from God the Father and they are coming from the incarnate risen Son. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the incarnation, God the Son taking on human flesh, God the Son being born of the Virgin Mary, God the Son in His humanity growing up, learning obedience by the things that He what? He suffered. Having then been prepared and qualified to be our high priest, He submitted Himself. He became obedient even though God the Son in the humanity of Jesus took on the form of a slave. He became obedient even unto death, even the death of the most cruelest form of death, the death of a cross. And because of that, God highly exalted him. And he is seated at the very right hand of God the Father on a throne, meaning he is king. 
And this is exactly what Psalm 2 predicted, right? God had chosen his king to set upon his holy hill of Zion. This throne is in the heavenly Jerusalem. And folks, here's an amazing thing. This this goes beyond our understanding. And if you say why, you will never know the depths of this. But the eternal Son of God, in a moment of human history, took on human flesh, and He will forever be a man. Forever. And he is the promised king from Genesis chapter 3. And he is the second Adam. And he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is also our monarch. These attributes of peace, love, faith, and grace are supernatural. They're not of this earth. They're not natural. They're divine. Now please hear this. Not moral. Can fallen man have a form of morality? Yes, but this is not that form of morality. This is from above. They are attributes of God. They're not human developed. They are spiritually developed after we're born again by the grace of God through the Word of God, but they're not human developed. Nobody's born with these attributes in them. They must be born again. And these graces are incorruptible. Now I think it would do you good to really meditate on this. They will never decay. Never. Can our love wax cold? There is a day where those will never decay. They will never decay because they are of God. They are pure. They are eternal. Nothing inherent in them is defiled. Nothing. There's no darkness in the love of God, the peace of God, the faith of God, the grace of God, and we can list a bunch of other attributes, the humility of God, none of those things have any darkness in them at all. And that would make them highly prized. It would make them otherworldly. These graces are coming to us from God the Father and the incarnate risen Son, and you know the answer by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. That it's not coming from your friends. It's not coming from your family. 
is coming directly from Him. What a gift that is. It's to be desired more than gold. And folks, this is why in 2 Corinthians it says that as we behold Him in the pages of our Bible, we're being transformed from one glory to another glory. Nothing defiled, no going back from one measure of glory to another measure of glory. And all of these graces are coming to brethren. Verse 24. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, if you really want to know what a church is to be comprised of, it is to be comprised of members who are believers, right? But how would we know that? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God. How do we know this? There are these graces in them. And again, they're not perfected 100%. They can be clouded over with all kinds of worldliness, but... They're there, and if you have eyes to see it, you can see it. You see it in their walk. You see it in their love. These graces come upon each individual member of the body of Christ, those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are not in Christ do not experience and know these things. They can know about them. They could even give definitions of what peace and love and faith and grace are. They could pass a theological test. They could give you an outline of the gospel. But until all of that reaches down in their inner man and they are regenerated by the power of God, it is useless. Just like a person who is blind could have a rose described to them. Could they understand knowledge about that rose? The answer is yes. But until their eyes are open and they see it, then they're like Job. I've heard about a rose with the hearing of my ear, but now I behold him. And this takes being born again. And brethren, I just want to ask you, Are these blessings in this book coming upon you because you're born again? We've had, this is mind-blowing, we've had 70 hours of instruction out of this book. What has it done to you? How has it changed your walk? Can we look at you and say, I remember when Pastor started this years ago. And you're not the same person. You're more Christ-like since then. 
Have you been growing up? Because remember what I said, this is the purpose of a pastor, teacher, evangelist, missionary. To perfect the saints. Now these graces that are coming to us that are not of this world, these graces that are coming to us from God the Father and the incarnate risen Son, Paul begins with this, verse 23, Peace be to the brethren. We live in a disturbing world. Every day when you wake up, you're disturbed immediately by the cares of this life. You are assaulted with worry. You you are surrounded with concern. You don't know what a day is going to bring forth. I've met believing people who are worried that they are worrying. But here's the really strange thing. I have met many people who are worried if they're not worrying. They just what? They just worry. It's like the world. The stock market's going up. We're worried it's going to go down. If the stock market's going down, we're all concerned when it's going to go up. It's one Worry after another. And folks, we can bring that into our inner man. I can't stop this from assaulting you. But you can stop it from taking root in your heart. It is the cares of this life that Jesus said, choke the word. It is the persecution, the hatred, the isolation from people of the world that calls the word to wither. But we want a good heart. We want a heart that's been illumined by the Spirit of God. We want a heart that's being strengthened by the grace that God has for us. And we want peace to guard our heart and understanding in Christ Jesus. Peace, someone has defined as a holy, supernatural state of quietness. A holy supernatural state of quietness or of rest or assurance. 
that flows out of your relationship with the Prince of Peace. The Lord Jesus said to His disciples that fateful night in which He was going to be betrayed, He said, My peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. His peace is not of this world. His peace is incorruptible. His peace is not yanked away. It doesn't die. It does have various measures. And I like it when it's at full measure, don't you? It is a peace that is independent of this life. Life does not affect this peace. And it is independent of our circumstances. Why? It is of God. And this peace is grounded in the sovereign work and person of God. And folks, we won't look at it for the sake of time, but you know Ephesians chapter 2, it says Christ is our peace. And one of the aspects of that is He destroyed the wall of partition. He brought Jew and Gentile together into one body, so making peace. We have peace with God. And we desire to walk a worthy walk having the peace of God. And folks, it comes to us through the divine Word. This is very, very, very important. It doesn't come to us merely by praying for it. We can and should pray for it. But it comes through the Word of God. Paul begins the epistle, grace to you and peace from the Father. Grace and peace to you. He's going to leave us with grace and peace be with you. And what's in between those two statements is Scripture. And not only does this peace come to us by the divine word, but it is also part of our armor. Our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It is this holy supernatural state of quietness and rest and assurance that gives us stability in the midst of a crooked and dark world. You might have a related word to this. Contentment. And Paul says in Philippians, Whatsoever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. 
What did he mean by this? Well, be anxious for nothing. But in prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the... There you go. Peace is wealth beyond all wealth. I don't care what your bank account says. I don't care if you don't have a nickel to your name. I don't care what kind of clothing you're wearing, whether it be shining and glorious or tattered and torn. If you have the peace with God and the peace of God, you are a wealthy person. And it will sustain you through this torturous life. And it is not of this world. You won't get it when you take a vacation. You won't get it if you get a pay raise. You won't get it if you're totally self-sufficient. This comes from God, through the Word of God, and it is part of our shoes. It's part of our walk. Secondly, not only peace to the brethren, but love. Love with faith. You recall that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that there's three things. Faith, hope, and love. These abide, but the greatest of these is love. This is a love that is not of this world. It is a love from God the Father and from the incarnate risen Son. Divine love is characteristic and it is the greatest above even faith and hope. Sometimes we are concerned. We talk about faith and living by faith and walking by faith and none of that's wrong. But the greatest thing that we should be working on is love. And folks, divine love is part of the evidence of being divinely born. Now I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 4. And I'm just going to read a pretty lengthy section here with very, very little comment. 1 John, let's all turn there, 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to begin in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, reason, for love is from God. Where does love come from? God. Are you born into this world with this divine love? No. This is a love from God. For love is from God, and everyone who loves, that is with this love from God, is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. Why? God is is love. 
By this, the love of God was manifested. All right, do you want to see the love of God? The love of God was manifested in us that God sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. That's love. Verse 10, In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, right? We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. And folks, when, we, when we're disturbed about our confidence in Christ, we call it assurance. What we need is love. Having His divine love and that love growing in us gives to us confidence. Verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not being perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God, could someone say they love God? I hardly meet anybody who doesn't say they don't love God. But if anyone loves God, says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, and the one who loves God should love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our what? Our faith. Divine love. If we possess the divine love of God, then we love with that divine love. What does that love look like? Well, you see it in God. He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So folks, part of this divine love is that we bear with one another 
in our sins. You'd be a great person to love if you never sinned. It's when you sin that things become hard, right? Anybody can say, well, I love until a person offends them. Then you get to show divine love. And folks, this is the evidence. John would also write, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Doesn't the Bible say that the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us? Does it not say in Thessalonians, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Love. Peace be to the brethren. And God's divine love. With faith. Faith is the persuasion of things unseen. Sometimes people will argue, well, is faith really a gift of God? This benediction says it is. Peace, love, faith, grace are all from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We know faith, how does it come to us? By hearing, in hearing by the Word of God. So folks, peace comes to us by the Word of God, right? Love comes to us by the Word of God when we see God's love manifested in His Son. And faith comes to us by the Word of God. This is how we give God glory, Romans chapter 4. Abraham gave God glory being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. And it's impossible to please God unless you have this faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Isn't faith a tremendous riches? To be battered with the darkness of this world, to be persecuted and hated, reproached for the name of Christ, and yet you're still fully persuaded that what God said is so, and He's able to do what He said. That's a wonderful, wonderful grace. And then, of course, Paul just mentions in verse 24 the word grace. Folks, everything comes to us by grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace certainly has kindness and mercies associated with it. But really, grace is the channel by which all of God's blessings come to us. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. 
from there to me, from there to us, it comes to us through grace. All of God's activities, His strength, His power, His deliverance, His salvation, His peace, His goodness, His mercies, His humility, we could just go on and on, all are involved in this channel of grace. God the Father to God the Son to us by the Holy Spirit. Folks, Paul's not just trying to give you the warm feeling. He's just not trying to get you to say when you walk out, wow, Paul really loves me. He really cares about me. Paul really desires this. And what I want to ask you, do you really desire this? Because there are all kinds of Kool-Aids and entertainments and pleasures and sights in this world that are all promising you these things. Our government says, well, the problem that you're having is that you don't have enough money to live like you want to live. Our government says that what you really need to do is just live for yourself. I mean, you can't love other people till you love yourself. <laughs> but loving ourselves is the problem. You're not going to get grace, faith, peace, love through the things of this life. Now, we're to richly enjoy what God gives us in this life, but we've got to look above this, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Now, as I conclude, I've already hinted at this, but this is a very important question for us. Upon whom do these graces come? Do these graces come to all mankind? The answer to that is no. Do do these graces come to a particular denomination? The answer to that is no. Do these graces come upon a particular ethnicity? In the Old Testament, believing Jews. New Testament, All mankind, these graces can come. But it doesn't come upon a particular ethnicity. It doesn't come upon a particular nationality. It's not, I'm an American. God bless the United States. It doesn't just come upon those who pray or read their Bible or associate with other believers. It comes upon a people who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. There are those who will say to you that a person can go to heaven 
and not love the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible contradicts this. We're not loving the Lord Jesus Christ with a moral, fallen, corruptible type of love. We are loving the Lord Jesus Christ with the love of God. We love Him because He first loved us. And we love Him with the same divine love by which He loved us. Brethren, when you read something like this, and you really understand what is happening between Ephesians 1.1 and Ephesians 6.24, you should have walked away with a more mature divine peace. You should have walked away with a more mature divine love. You should have walked away with a more mature divine persuasion that what God has said is so, and He's able to do it. You should have walked away with a growing maturity filled with the grace of God. And you're all of these things, God should have looked down upon you and said to His Son, Look, see that light in Chesterfield, Virginia. It's brighter than three years ago. And you just take that right down to the individual members. This is the brightness that you will take with you When Daniel said, you will shine like the stars in heaven. Conformity to Christ is the greatest riches. And I want to end this book with how we started and then we're going to close our services in prayer. Listen carefully. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. These blessings are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand in the heavenlies. For this purpose, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that you asked or think, according to the power that is working within us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So be it. Peace be to you, brethren, and love with faith.
from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you, brethren, those of you who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Let's pray.